0: With over a million and a half downloads monthly, these tickets will sell out. So keep an eye on our social media pages and check the podcast bio for direct links to purchase yours as soon as they're released on Friday, May 10. I can't wait to see you there.
1: Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart, a better formula for formula. Learn more at Byheart.com.
2: Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your burrow purchase at burrow.com/acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com/acast. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up.
1: You can already hear the beach waves.
0: so please consider this your warning, that it's not suitable for children, and it probably will contain content that may be triggering to some people. Also, it's an Australian true crime podcast, so Australian Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander listeners should be aware it may contain the voices of deceased people.
3: The producers of this podcast recognise the traditional owners of the land on which it's recorded. They pay respect to the Aboriginal elders, past, present and those emerging.
0: Courtney Pendergast's brother Adrian accepted an exciting job opportunity in South Africa in 1995. Less than a week after he got there, he was found dead in a jail cell. For almost 30 years now, his family has been trying to understand what happened and how he died. But as you're about to discover, the South African legal system has some peculiarities that have made obtaining even the most basic details all but impossible. So he was
3: at Melbourne Uni, so he was living in Collingwood, so he went to Melbourne Uni and did an engineering degree. He was always seemed happy go lucky. He drank. Just a social drinker, party, footy. Played a lot of hockey. Loved hockey. So, what was the job that he went for in South Africa? He was um, a computer engineer, and they were working on building bridges over there.
0: Wow! So that's a pretty massive opportunity, I would imagine. Yeah. Where, where was he? Was he in um, in Johannesburg, or yeah, he was in Randburg. I think he'd
3: only been there. Oh, it was less than a week. I reckon it was only probably about three or four days. So back in ninety five, no mobile phones. <laughs> We had a landline phone and, you know, if the phone rings in the middle of the night, it's not good because, you know, mm. we all text each other in the middle of the night and stuff. Now that was, you know, you never rang during tea time and you never rang at night. It was just dad and I at that stage because mum had died a couple of years beforehand. And, um yeah, the phone went off in the middle of the night and you just, I don't know, your gut just sinks. The last phone call we got in the middle of the night was to say mum had died, but mum had been sick. Mm. So... You just kind of, I don't know. I I never, never thought it'd be Adrian. Just remember getting up in the middle of the night and Dad just saying that Adrian had died and we didn't really have details. Um, They didn't give us too much. And then later on we found out that he had been picked up for drink driving. My understanding is he'd had this car accident, had been picked up, had been taken to a local medical clinic, um, to have his blood alcohol taken. If you read the paperwork and you believe what the doctor at the clinic said, he told the doctor that he was schizophrenic. He told the police officer at the accidents, like at the collision site that he wanted to kill himself and they both laughed at him and deemed it as a joke. And then somewhere like from the medical clinic, he was taken back to the Ramberg police station all the paperwork and whatever was done. And he was put in this rancid cell that had no power, was absolutely freezing, completely covered in faecal matter, and then just left there. And then apparently what we were told during the one of the first conversations when he first died was they'd been checking on him every hour. And then later on we find out, you know, he's put in the cell at about midnight and not checked on again until about seven the next morning but we knew that he'd gone into this police cell wearing tracksuit pants but was found hanging with a belt. So that obviously raised a lot of concern.
0: I have no idea what happens when you get arrested for drink driving in South Africa. You know, in Australia, we know that they pull you over and you've got to leave your car locked up and get someone to come and get you. Yeah. So did you ever find out sort of what happened during his arrest?
3: So I've got some paperwork on still in the process of translating it. So I finally, after all these years, managed to get some police reports. And that came about because we moved during COVID. When we moved, the neighbours next door were fantastic. They were from South Africa. So the more we got to talking and whatever, it kind of came up in conversation what had happened. And Andrew, my neighbour, was a police officer in South Africa. My neighbour, he went through it when we, we finally got the documents. And, you know, he was great. And he was talking about you know, what had actually happened on that night because he was able to read those reports. So he had the accident. So he explained to me where he'd had the accident and, you know, he explained that in South Africa, if you get pulled over by the police, they expect money. It's a bribe thing. Whereas here in Australia, you, the last thing you would ever do is offer a police officer money. So he goes, he probably had he handed over some money or went, oh, you know, let me go and buy you some dinner or we'll go to KFC, they probably would have let him off.
0: What?
3: But, you know, being in the country for a couple of days, never, you would never have done that here. He would never have known that. And he ended up being arrested. And then obviously it went majorly downhill from there. So, like, they took him to a medical centre after he'd had this, it was a very minor car accident, which is why the police were called in the first place. Um, And they took him to a medical clinic to take his, blood for blood alcohol reading. And my neighbor Andrew was able to just say, you know, time-wise this doesn't work because it doesn't take that long to get to that medical clinic. I don't mm-hmm. understand what's happened between this time and this time. Like he was able to, you know, give me a bit more insight, like particularly when he goes, well, you know, that's a five minute drive. Why is it taking 20 minutes or, you know, whatever it was. And then what would have happened when he gotten in the cell and, you know, the conditions of the cell and, all that kind
0: of stuff, he's just, he's a gem. Because I'm looking at photos here from this South African magazine and it talks about the journalist has obviously somehow got access and he's talking about the smell, the state of the cells. They're pretty, pretty rough. Yeah. Yeah, pretty frightening for, again, a person who's been in the country three days who, who is born and bred in the luckiest country in the world. Pretty scary to find yourself in this situation, not understanding what is going on. Particularly when his
3: blood alcohol reading was so high, I don't know why he wasn't in hospital. One report says it was 0.38 and another says it was 0.28. At what point did you find out that he wasn't alone in the cell? God, that was ages later. They ended up telling us there was he was just a homeless guy that had you know meandered into the cell looking for somewhere to sleep. And I'm like, I don't know how you meander into the cell when you've got to go through the actual station. Um and looking at that cell and the conditions and the smell and the fact that there's no power, why would you want to sleep in there? They're blankets on the floor and they're covered in urine and fecal matter, like yuck.
0: Yeah, and the point of a, of a prison cell is that you can't meander in or out of it. Yeah. So, someone you know, it's locked. So someone's locked him in there and this homeless guy, vagrant they've called him, he was discharged in the morning and have they ever been able to find him? Did they Did they interview him about what had happened? He's a, a witness, I would think.
3: Yeah. So they told us that they never found him. They never had his name. They didn't know anything. And it wasn't until I got this paperwork a year, 18 months ago, that we can actually see his name, Zachariah. And they did manage to find him and they did interview him and he just said he saw Adrian standing up and he went to sleep and he didn't see anything else other than that. He just saw Adrian standing. And he had no
0: knowledge of the belt where it had come from? It wasn't his belt? No. I misunderstood. I thought he was in tracksuit pants that he'd been given at the jail. But but you're saying he was in tracksuit pants th- through the entire ordeal? Yeah, when he was arrested and everything. Yeah, so he kind of, yeah, he, he did not have, wasn't wearing a belt all evening? No.
3: Apparently he got cold and he asked for his bag out of the car. Uh-huh. And one of the officers went and got his bag and gave it to him. Um, and apparently the belt was in with these other staff. But, I mean, where is the belt? I asked um, Andrew that and he literally just said to me, he goes, oh, one of the coppers probably decided he liked the belt and took it home. For him to have just died for no reason, with no answers and no no punishment whatsoever, is just a, it's a really hard pill to swallow. I really do struggle with it. And the other side of it is he's just no one. Like he was no one to the government. He was no one to... Like he's just no one and that really upsets me Like, because he's not no one. He was somebody and he had his whole future in front of him and he was cheated and I was cheated and our family's been cheated and everybody just goes about living their life like nothing's happened.
2: Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash acast.
0: Look, apart from we've spoken a lot about the negligence here, but we haven't spoken about your suspicions and the suspicions of Adrian's friends at the time that he didn't take his own life. Yeah, what scenario do you do you consider um, that isn't that?
3: I don't know. I, I guess I still look at it and go, was it suicide? Was it manslaughter? Was it murder? The belt had to have come from somewhere, and as I said, he was wearing tracksuit pants. So where the hell did that belt come from? I don't know if. You know, when he's got his sports stuff in his bag in the back of his car, is there a belt in it? Like, it was a Saturday, he wasn't at work.
0: It's frustrating
3: because that should be a really simple answer if yep. they'd only done their jobs, you know? Yeah. And then there's this time frame where he was arrested and, like, every, every police officer that's, you know, been interviewed in relation to this says he was injury-free. Like, for, even from the car accident, he didn't have any scratches, he didn't have any marks. And then after death, you know, he's got a cut above his eye. He's got, you know, scratches on his face. It look, he was definitely hung with a belt. The way he's done it, I don't know if he was as drunk as he was, if he
0: could have physically done that by himself. I think, so it looks as though he's been hung from a window grate, is that right, with the belt?
3: Yeah, it looks like he's done a, a figure eight and then tied it around his neck. And then you go, that blood alcohol reading of 0.38, mm. How did he physically manage to hang himself?
0: It seems a very extreme reaction to the situation, even though the situation's hideous, but it it was always going to be a a short-term situation. I mean, it was a really minor charge he was looking at. He had to know that. So it seems like a massive overreaction. Then the other thing is what have
3: they said to him when they've arrested him? Mm. You know, you're going to jail for this. I, I don't know what they've said to him. I still question you know, how much truth is in these, the the documents that we've got, you know, all these coppers have had plenty of time to stand together and have a conversation about what happened. I don't know if he said he was suicidal. I have no idea. Like Adrian saying he was schizophrenic just sounds, I don't know, it just doesn't sound right to me. I could get once you were in the cell saying, you know, I don't want to be here. I want to die. I get that. But at the scene of the car accident, I don't know the doctor that did his autopsy, it's the same doctor that took his blood the night he was arrested. The same mm. doctor that they got in to medically declare him dead. And we were meant to have representation. His boss was going to go in for the autopsy and be present for that. And we got told her to be on a particular day. And when they rocked up, they went, oh no, we did it two days earlier. Is he the same bloke who said he, he told him he was suicidal or schizophrenic? Schizophrenic, yeah. S- same bloke. You know, when there's a suspicious death and you've already had a doctor reporting that he was schizophrenic and he'd taken his blood, I don't know why you get the same doctor to declare him dead and then do the autopsy. And I think they left his body hanging. Like, they, you know, finding him at 7 o'clock in the morning, I don't think they pulled him down until later in that afternoon. I think they left him up there for, you know, nearly a 24-hour period. And I'm like, that's disgusting to read. We don't even know what day he died on. Because they did not check on him. We don't know if he died on the Saturday or the Sunday. You know, how long was he up there for? What was his blood alcohol reading when he died? That would give us a better indication of when he died and whether or not he was actually physically capable of
0: doing it himself. What recourse do you have in the South African system? There's nothing. They're literally, we
3: couldn't do anything at the time. I know Adrian's mum and grandfather went to the Australian Commission and tried to, you know, get answers and get representation and wanted something done. And I know in 1995, the trade between Australia and South Africa that was, you know, just starting to ramp up and they they didn't do anything. They didn't want to rock the boat. So from Australia's end, there was nothing. We didn't get any assistance. We had to pay to get his body home. We now know from South Africa end all the officers that were working or were involved and the doctor on whatever that was involved were all questioned, but nothing happened. They weren't stepped down during the investigation. They just kept working. They weren't docked any pay. There was, there was just nothing. Whatever happened to him happened to him. I just don't know what happened to him. I can deal with, you know, if he's committed suicide, I can deal with that. But there's just so many questions that make you go, did he? If, you know, it was negligence on the police part, you get that too. I'm still angry about that. Mm. You know, if he's been, a cop has killed him or whoever was in the cell with him has killed him or whatever, I can deal with it. I just don't know if that's what it is. And it's the unknowing is really hard. I try and be as positive as I can. Like I always, look at, I guess, in loss, it shows you just how much you actually have. You can't have that, that light without the dark. So I try not to take anything for granted.
0: Thank you to our guest today, Courtney Pendergast. If you need support after listening to this podcast, you can call Lifeline on 13 11 14 or contact one respect on one 737 732 or one respectorgau Indigenous Australians can contact 13 Yarn on 13 or 13yarn.org.au Thank you for downloading this episode of Australian True Crime. We'll be back next week.